Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Whenever you are, welcome to Two Men with a Mic. Hey, Mike, I've got some great news from the last episode. Cool. Let's have it, sir. Okay. Well, we just want everyone to know from our last episode when we went in the hole, was it 29 cents, right? Twenty, Yeah. 29 cents? <laughs> I believe so. <laughs> yeah. We, first of all, we want to thank Lorianne for um, going on to the Facebook and agreeing to front us the 29 cents. So... We can we can now pay off our bookie. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. After Del Taco blew us out of the water, we had to contact a bookie. Yep. So, Lorianne, thank you for fronting us the twenty nine cents, <laughs> and and it's it's great to know that that you all came through, and we are up over uh, six dollars. So all right. So we're gonna pay Lorianne <laughs> back, right? We got to give yep. Lori her 29 cents. Yep. We'll and give Lori her 29 cents. That, the back. bookie, I think that's going to eat up the rest of the six bucks. What was that? The in, Because of the interest, the bookie oh. charge. I think we want to <laughs> give them the, the rest of the six bucks. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but we covered our Del Taco bill. We covered it, dude. And it looked good in the photograph that you took. Yeah, yeah. It did. We were all bitching about it when we broke it out cold because <laughs> we've been driving around. And then you, you sent me the photo and I was like, that looks remarkably edible. <laughs> <laughs> if not delightful. <laughs> Maybe we should have turned we do love Del Taco. Yeah, we probably should have just turned the lights on last that night. Yeah, maybe it's because it was in the dark, you know, and then the flash on your camera caught the true delectability (laughs) (laughs) all right well we thank Lori, and we just wanted everyone because i know that everybody out there was like truly worried about you and i and being in debt 29 cents yeah so everyone can sleep now yeah (laughs) you know what give her 30 cents dude okay (laughs) just make me 30 cents no pennies. Well, uh, you give her thirty cents. You're closer. I'm I'm way up north. So all right, I'll zip you're around the corner. Her. You give her the thirty cents. I will. Okay. I can catch her every time I see her on Facebook. It's like she's running around doing different things. <laughs> she's a very active woman. Yes. Yes. So, thank you, Lori. Thank you, you Lori. So, Mike, this is going to be a uh, interesting conversation we're about to have. Okay, I want some guarantees here. You've got <laughs> well, to assure me. What's that? You've got to give me some kind of assurance. Assurance that what? That we're going to have a good conversation. Well, it's it's going to be an interesting conversation because our guest for this episode is is a very interesting person. She uh, is an author. But before she published her book, The uh, Lion's Wisdom, she actually worked for corporate America out of Chicago for about 24 years. She was an IT manager. So um, she, uh, you know, lived in Chicago and dealt with the hustle and bustle of that and, uh, kind of came away with a very interesting story and 
kind of right up your alley. Yeah, actually, I, I know about her, and so I'm super excited to talk to her. She had a spiritual awakening, and she is channeling the words of God. Like, she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't sit down and, like, write a book. She just lets it flow. Like, she's channeling, in essence. And she's channeling artwork as well, too. And her last name is Shankari, which is the name of the stones that Indiana Jones had to get in the Temple of Doom. Oh, you're right. <laughs> it was the Shankari stones, remember? Yes. <laughs> which works because she's a Hindu, and that's what that was all about. Um, Temple of Doom dealt with that, and Shiva, and like Hinduism, and spirituality. And so hopefully we can do the interview um on out of control like mine carts on like a roller coaster that goes the <laughs> I, I do not think the interview is gonna be done on a ride at Disneyland. Um, okay. I'm sorry. But I wonder, budget, again, I wonder our, about the generation gap. Has anybody seen Indiana Jones and the Temple of Tim? Do, <laughs> do they know that there's like a, a well, I love it, but like a lot of people despise, there's this, it's, they're in mine cars in a mine shaft on like, you know, mine car Broken track. And, and it's like, the, it's like a roller coaster and some people are very divided on it. When this came out, they, like, some people were like, that's ridiculous. And then for me, I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 You like yeah, minecarts? Don't they call those things minecarts? I think so. Yeah. Did you like that chase, though? Didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. So that's where we're going to conduct the interview, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so one of the things I I, I did want to say about this 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 interview is that um, first off, it's turned into not a single interview but more of a mini series yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a lot of um conversation and um you know a lot of interesting stuff and you know like i said it's it's kind of more up mike's alley and um you know i i i've always agreed to listen and and so i spend a, a lot of time listening and stuff like that and we will tell you ahead of time that um it looks like this is going to be a four-part mini-series so um you know uma gets to talk a lot and share a lot of information with us in this first part and um you know then the conversations go on from there so you know there's exciting shows to come uh, beyond this one and um uh, you know it's just it's it's definitely interesting yeah I, and it's worth being a mini series because she drops the bomb dude <laughs> <laughs> she's a bomb dropper a mind opener you know it's all yep. vital information the information in this episode is not presented as fact but as opinion of the people saying it, it is up to you the, to decide what is true. And that's the fact. 
Jack. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hi. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. <laughs> Wherever you are. <laughs> Wherever you are. Well, there is no time, right? So Yes. We're going to collapse time and space. So good. literally you're a, you're across the table from me now. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. There's no separation between us, correct? Correct, correct. All souls are merged. <laughs> it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm really excited to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so, so much for accommodating me as well. Well, welcome, Uma. Welcome to Two Men with a Mic. And thank, thank you, you for taking the time to uh, be with us today. You're absolutely welcome. I uh, love giving um, interviews because it's sharing and um Sharing one's life moves another, and learning about others' lives moves myself. So I'm very, very glad to be here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we're uh, that's the whole theory behind our uh, our our podcast is just how can we share people's experiences and encourage others to um, excel at whatever it is in life that they're trying to do. Awesome. I myself, I myself am. I just I'm kind of brimming. Over, like boiling over with enthusiasm because I'm just so excited to be speaking to you. Um, spirituality is my favorite subject. I'm completely consumed by it. And I'm mm -hmm. utterly fascinated by um, what I've read about you. Um, Thank so you. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just anxious to hear everything you have to say. I'm a complete rookie in this, and I, I, I really don't know that much about uh, this, this side of, of you know, spirituality and um, the things that you do. But Mike, on the other hand, is 100% in it. So um, he is he is uh, our expert of the two of us in your in your field. But so you're going to be the real expert. That's why I, that's why I'm so excited <laughs> to talk to you. Uma, why don't you just tell us, tell our audience a little bit about you, you know, who you are and and what it is that you do. If you don't mind. Okay. No worries. So, um, uh, Mike, for you, it's going to, uh, Mitch, for you, it's going to be, uh, you know, I'm going to say wowed, not because I think everybody's wowed, because for me, my own life experiences has wowed me because everything has been unex unexpected, including the. So, let me pre preface with that. So, basically, I was born in India, raised in India in a Hindu family. Uh, very non, uh, I wouldn't say non-religious, but we did everything the Indian family would do. And a friend of mine was uh, studying for to go to US. And so <clears throat> I got interested. One thing led to another and I moved to, uh, and I moved to uh, US in 1997, degree in elect electrical engineering. And I was in, oh, wow. uh, on a cold, uh, on a cold uh, January 4th morning. I landed in St. Louis Airport. Um, didn't know anything about uh, anything about U.S. except I was fascinated by it. Um, so I did my master's and I moved to Chicago. And I lived in Chicago for 23 years. Um, I worked in major corporations, uh, all financial industries until 2014. Um, I had a spiritual awakening in 2012 uh, that led me to question my own existence and what I was doing. And I was literally, um, even though at that 
when I when I was in corporate, I thought I would literally that would be where I would die. Like I was happy with my career, meaning good money and good roles. Um, I wouldn't say I was happy with working in the corporate world constantly. I think there was a time I was there was this, like that adrenal rush you get uh, out of working constantly and all that. But there was a time towards the end of my career where I started feeling um, like it was just too much of soul selling. I just couldn't do it. I was good at it. I was really good at it. What, when I, what was it you were doing exactly? Just out of curiosity. When I uh, left the corporate world, I was an IT manager for a major corporation. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I'm curious too. Why were you fascinated with the United States? You know, I, I think right now I'm not fascinated with anything at all. I'm just fascinated with life. But when we are young, you know, everybody talks about going to the U.S. That was the thing in the 90s in India. You know, everybody has the thing at a certain point in uh -huh. life. Even now, you know, there is a major fascination about U.S. around the world. For me, having lived in both places, both places for me are equally good mm -hmm. and equally nurturing. So is there you're young. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, but it, would you say there's still an interest in India? You know, like people are fascinated with the U.S.? I think so. I think it's, uh, you know, what people don't understand about U.S. is what they're fascinated about. Oh. You know, <laughs> you know the, the thing is people, I'm having an honest conversation, right? So you uh -huh. want to move somewhere. You watch movies. It's all the New York and, you know, San Francisco and L.A., but they don't realize People who live there are not New York, not LA, not San Francisco. You know, right. so right. that when you when you hit the ground, the realization in a, in the US is very different because people are trying to make lives. They go through hardships. There are a lot of things, just like any other human on the planet. Um, so uh, when people go, that is their fascination. It's the wealth and you know, it's the uh, cars and the highways and like you know the buildings and all that. But when you literally come to the essence of yourself, those things don't matter to me anymore, mm -hmm. yeah, any, any human being. So for me, I tell that with a lot of love for US, I miss US, but at the same time, I'm also content because I've lived there for 24 years. Mm -hmm. And when this is not about US, when you live in another country and you uproot, honestly, moving forward, I do not recommend that for anybody, any human being. Because mm. there is a part of you that just never contemplates with the loss until it really, really hits you. Mm -hmm. um, I may get a little emotional, so you have to bear with me. Oh, that's fine. I'm emotional all the time. <laughs> so I, um, I lived there for 24 years. In 2014, I, I quit my job because enough was enough. I just, the, the spiritual awakening I had in 2012 helped me to make that move and say, you know what, just go. And, and I, I had no plans. I had no plans. I didn't have like tons of money in the bank account. I didn't have something lined up. I didn't have like business ventures. I, I'm literally a very simple human being. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, I have this idea and I want to make a million. I'm not that kind of person. I had literally nothing planned out, but I was in my heart. I was just done with the corporate world. I really, it was draining my energy because you're always at the beck and call of someone else. And people are, you know, I had great managers, but there are also a lot of people that are just, you know, they're just literally, they take your energy away. 
So I just wanted to protect myself and my own energy and what is important for me. So literally one morning I woke up and I said, that's it, I'm done. Not like it, it was not like that easy, but I had been contemplating for like six months. I needed a huge break. I wanted six months off from the corporate world. And that's what I actually was planning. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to take off. Um, and there was a lot, you know, sometimes when you really, really had to do something, the universe plays in very interesting ways. I was resisting leaving the job because I was like, what am I going to do for food? What am I going to do for my living? What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? So one day, circumstances in the workplace just created something which just made me crystal clear that this was it for me. I just can't move anymore. Mm-hmm. That very two days later, I, I uh, maybe two days, I can't remember, maybe a week later, um, I put for uh, a mental, you know, uh, uh, what do we call it? You know, a mental health time off. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, and that's I said... It. Uh, that's it. I, I, I left and, and there was, uh, I had to go through a lot of turmoil at work for that. I got a lot of headaches and I, I was, you know, because corporations don't protect the right people. They protect the wrong people. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know what, that's enough. I can't do it. So I quit literally in, I put the, you know, I, I put like a short term disability and I left. And uh, my, cor- my work uh, questioned me about my short-term disability. That's not right. I said, you know what? I'm not doing this for your money. I don't need your money. I just need you to leave me alone. I literally need my mental peace. Can you leave me alone? And Because at that time, they were like, oh, maybe we should pay her. And all this money thing came into account. I said, I don't need your money. That's not why I'm taking the short-term disability. And I left. Mm-hmm. And after six months, so I took time off. And my spiritual... Um, um, path was really taking off. I was understanding more and more and more and more about myself and what spirituality meant. And it became the pillar of my life and the foundation of my life. So at that point, I said, you know what, I need to time, spend time with family. So I took I, I, one month, one and a half months, I stayed in Chicago because of the 23 years I had lived in Chicago, I never had time to enjoy the summer. And it was a beautiful spring and summer. I, I, I'm not kidding you. I just wanted to sit outside, have lunch, have teas, and do nothing. Wow. And I did that for a month and a half. And it was the most fulfilling time of my life in Chicago, literally. When I didn't it just look took four years to get to that point, to, right? To get to that point, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, at that point, it was 16 years, you know. So I said, you know what, I just, every day I woke up, I went to my yoga class, I came back, I sat at a, you know, restaurant, I sat outside, I ordered my favorite salad, I had a cup of coffee, I didn't have a timeline, I could sit there for hours. There was a time I was walking back from my yoga class, there was a tree, there was beautiful sunshine, I lay on the grass, I I just really took in the sunshine. See, what we as human beings don't understand is how important that is. And it just literally transformed who I was. So I kept doing that. And then I wanted to spend time with family because I had missed family. So I came home. I spent three solid months with family. And I went back. And it was time for me to um, go back to work because my short-term disability was ending. As the day was getting closer, I had no interest 
I would say it's more than interest. It's not even interest. It's just like, it's just like I couldn't do it. Every time I thought about it, I had shivers down my spine. And I said, you know what? No, this is not the right thing, the right thing for me to do. I sent an email and I said, you know what, guys? Not coming back. I'm done with work. Thank you for everything. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And then I came back to Chicago. I was contemplating. I was like, I was looking for jobs because it was a fear in me that wanted to go back and look for jobs. I was looking for jobs. And this gentleman who was a recruiter, I was like, you know what? I, it was November timeframe right before Thanksgiving. And I was like, you know, I really want to travel the world. I'm a big traveler. I've traveled over 30 countries. And I said, you know what? I really, really need to travel. Can, can this job search wait? What, can I get a job right now? Like he said, you know what? Don't worry about it. The job will be here. It's, holiday season just go i packed my bag i left for africa i had very little savings i took all my savings i went to africa i spent a month and a half because i i africa had been on my list forever and i knew i couldn't go out to africa because i didn't want to do a short stint so i i traveled from cape town through, uh, to nairobi uh, i did camping all the way through um i booked the trip with a with a travel company and I did it. Wait, wait, you know, when you say you did camping, you mean like just in the dirt in Africa? Yeah. That's great. Wow. <laughs> like, what about the animals? They're all there. You know, it's just, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. My point. listen, you know, the thing is, there were times we were not close to the animals. There were times when we were in Serengeti. We were surrounded by monkeys and hyenas and giraffes. And, you know, it's, you know, the thing is, it's what's important. For me, travel has never scared me. People, when I leave, they'll be like, oh, my God, be careful. That particular statement for me is very annoying. All I want people to say is go and enjoy because the world is not a bad place. People need to understand it. Mainstream media portrays certain things about certain countries. There are dangers in any nation. I lived in Chicago. So South side of Chicago is not <laughs> any different from, you know what I mean? I never went to the South side of Chicago unless I had someone I knew very well. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a perception and a perspective. I never have hated a country that I traveled to. There are very, like, I only have two cities that I didn't enjoy a lot. One is Madrid. And the other one is um, Casablanca. These are the only two cities. It's like, ah, they're okay. Other than that, every place I have been to, I found something very deep, meaningful, and beautiful. Humanity is beautiful, and people need to understand it. Countries, religion, it surpasses everything. Mm -hmm. So I tell people when I travel, do not be scared. Do the right thing. Don't be a stupid person and walk around like crazy. You know, you have to be self-aware. You have to be grounded. You need to know who you are. You need to know where you're in a, in a different country. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, not, um, it's not like one thing is better than the other. And that's the mentality we need to come out of. I'm better than you or my country is better than you. You know, and for me, one of the things that made even more clear is so, um, all happened. I came back from Africa for three years. I did a food business, all vegan, Indian packaged goods. We did really well. 
and I was done with it. So COVID right before COVID-19, we were struggling and we said, you know what, let's just close the business and do something else. So for a couple of years, I did very small startups and I had great fun with it. And in 2019, I launched my first book, The Lion's Wisdom. And when I launched The Lion's Wisdom, something crazy, crazy, crazy happened to me. But even before that, in 2017 or 2018, I can't remember, it was a November uh, morning. I woke up and um, I went to the bathroom. I looked at the mirror and there was a big marking right above my heart chakra, huge, the size of a cockroach. I'm sorry. And I looked at where, where was the marking? It's right about my heart chakra, right be below my throat chakra, right, you know, right underneath my throat. Kind of okay. like the collar, right below the collar. Think of it like right above the heart. So okay. maybe it was right at the heart. I had this huge marking. And I thought, I looked at it like, okay, maybe something bit me, some bug bit me. And I just didn't care. And it stayed there for two weeks. It didn't hurt. It didn't itch. Nothing happened. So a friend of mine, she comes, Pam Hutter, she comes to me like, what is that? I said, you know what, Pam, some bug hit, bit me. She's like, mm, I don't think so. I said, really? She said, I don't think so. So I went and I, I thought it was like a layer of skin that was going to peel off. It didn't peel off. And it stayed there for almost three years. Huh. And, and 2019, um, I wrote the book. And I'm very passionate about creating food, not cooking literally creating recipes, using, using different ingredients. And it just takes me to a different uh, plane. So a little bit backward. So 2012, I had my spiritual awakening. Um, can, I, can I ask you, um, well, actually, a couple of things. It's sort of backtracking. Number one, you said you had kind of like a traditional Indian upbringing. And, and so I'm just wondering, like, did that involve a lot of spirituality? And then I, I'm also curious, like when you say you had a spiritual awakening, like what what happened? Great, great questions. I uh, I was going to explain, and you kind of like that's a good segue. So um, you know, Indian homes um, are very interesting in the sense that you don't say that this is spiritual. Spirituality is very integral in everything you do. Ayurveda is integral in everything you do. Mm. You know, when we cook, a little bit of turmeric goes in everything. So it's not like you're consciously thinking, you know, in US, it's now a big, um, uh, you know, trend that people are drinking like turmeric shots. In mm -hmm. India, it's not a trend. It's, it's, it's part of the lifestyle. It's very traditional. We don't speak about it. Um, mm -hmm. Just like that, spirituality is very integral in every family, in the sense when you wake up in the morning, women, uh, just so you know, guys think I'm not big on Feminine, I'm not a big feminist. I'm mm -hmm. more of a traditionalist. And this happened in a, as part of my spirituality. So uh, women get up in the morning. They, they clean the front yard. And they put patterns in front of the house. And those patterns, I didn't understand what it was growing up. They are chimatical patterns. And what they mean is they are sending a certain vibration frequency to your home. And every woman in the family does this very regularly, especially in South India. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with spirituality being an integral part of it. So for me, it didn't really say, oh, that's spiritual. This is non-spiritual. It was just in everything. But what's interesting for me is I really took it very lightly. I didn't appreciate it. When I came to the U.S., 
uh, you know, I just kind of like ignored my own Hindu, Hindu traditional spirituality because the reason that happened is there's a lot of misinformation that is being injected about the Hindu religion. Mm-hmm. And this is very new to me and it's a new transformation for me. And when I found that out, that's when it hit me that I had been taking a lot of the injected, um, you know, uh, what's the right word? I'm going to use lies because I don't know what's the other word. There's a lot of things that were added into Hinduism to make it look a certain way and make it look bad. So mm-hmm. what I uh, had done is I had taken all those and said, man, I don't like Hinduism. Even though it was an integral part of me, I just had this in my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in 2012, what happened was I was um, I used to go to the salon where I used to get massages. And there was this email that came from this one woman saying that she's going to do angel reading, blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, whatever. And for me at that point, uh, working in the corporate world, for me, it was like, you know, in the 90s, you, we used to have those infomercials where like this woman would come and say, oh, I'm going to fix your love life. I'm a psychic. You know, for me, like I put that, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of added that to the uh, whole mix. And I said, you know what, whatever this is, this is like some kind of like, you know, hokey pokey. Right. Um, so what was interesting about this was this email kept coming to me in different ways, even though I had deleted it, I, it would go in like, I can't remember the details. But this email was just pulling me to do something about it. It was as if like I was sitting on my own head and saying, knock, knock, go do it. Knock, knock, go do it. I was so annoyed by it. I was so annoyed. So I called the woman and I said, I emailed the woman and said, what is this? And she explains it to me and it just goes over my head. So I said, you know what? This is the stupidest thing I'm going to do in my life. But I'm going to do it so that it will prove me that I'm right. And that I can get on with my life and I can just keep moving. Lo and behold, that's not what happened. This woman came and did a session for me. And I, I, can't, I cannot tell you how it changed my life with, in the sense of she went through my chakras. She was pulling out things from my present life that nobody would know. And sort of like she gave me this thing and I was in tears. And I said, okay. Uh, that's interesting. I, I kind of let it go because I'm one of those people, you know, when you go to the doctor or the dentist, they'll find another tooth that's wrong with you and they want you to come back. I'm very conscious of that. So I'm like, you know what? Great. I understand this. But if she comes back, I don't want to do it for her sake. I want to sit and think about this. And then I'm going to take my time and then go back and get some more readings from her. Mm-hmm. So what she basically did was she was going through my chakras and she was clearing it. So, um, every, um for, just stop you for ahead. one second. Okay. Sure. Um, I, can you, I mean, I know what they are, but can you explain what chakras are? I was sure. just going to ask that question. Yeah. So, yes. So there are seven chakras in the body and they are, they all are uh, energy points. Um, the, the one on the top of the head, if you touch your, the top of the head, there's like a bump that's your seventh chakra. That's literally the connection between you and the cosmos. From the um, human, this is it, the world, to the cosmic uh, etheric world. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is the sixth chakra that sits in between your eyebrows. And that is where your um, uh, third eye sits. 
when we say third eye, it's literally an eye. And that eye, when you really use it properly, it can guide you in your life like you cannot believe. It is, it is magic, it is mystical, and it is real. And that is what people need to get, that this eye is not some, you know, hokey pokey. It is real. And the next one is the throat chakra, which is right on your throat. And the next one is your heart chakra, which is your, um, uh, the, the heart, seven, six, five, four. Four is your heart chakra. And then your solar plexus is your third chakra. Your um, reproductive organs right there is your second chakra. And right underneath your tailbone is your first chakra, which is where you are, you, when that chakra is very strong, you're a very grounded and very um, even-headed, even-keeled person. So these are your seven chakras. And outside of those seven chakras, there are marma points throughout your body. There are 108 marma points. They are energy centers of your body. So this is these are the basics of human existence. So when you say she read read your, I'm not sure I'm saying it right, but your chakras, mm -hmm. um, what does that mean? So what happens is um, we there's so many things I can talk about it, but I want to be very conscious how we say it in a succinct way. Um, when you're born, all those seven chakras are wide open because you're a child, you have nothing to lose, you have nothing to be worried about. As you grow up, and as part of your past life experiences, your chakras are um, not completely open. And what that means is you don't get to be whole, the whole person you are. When your chakras are blocked, you can only feel the here, this, that's it. When you awaken your chakras, you're literally connecting your, uh, your physical body to the etheric world and the cosmic world. So now you're an infinite human being. When your chakras are closed, you, you cannot feel the infinite. It's sort of a concept. See, there's a difference between something being a concept and an experience. A concept is something you read and it makes sense to you. An experience is you literally experience the infinite that is, that is in this cosmos. And it is you are part of this infinite and the cosmos is part of you, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So what happens is, when you carry baggage in your life, I'll go back to the third eye. Um, the third eye is closed, not because of just karmic baggage and this and that. Um, right now, US is a great example where they put fluoride in water and yeah. toothpaste. Yeah. What happens when you, so for ages, doctors have been saying fluoride is so good for you. Uh, so what happens is fluoride goes and calcifies the pineal gland. When, where your third eye is right behind us is your pineal gland. When your pineal gland is calcified, your third eye is completely shut. Yes. So when your third eye is completely shut, you're going to listen to any quack who calls himself, himself a doctor and believe what he's saying. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that with disrespect. I mean that as a fact. People need to wake up. They need to wake up, especially in the U.S., people need to wake up. So that calcification of the pineal gland doesn't let you decide what is right for yourself. It is easy to manipulate people. So the reason Indians put a dot on their 
third eye, a red color dot, a vermilion, is because your third eye is protected from others. Nobody can manipulate you. These are all scientific. These are not some, you know, mumbo jumbo that, you know, traditions have been doing. What I have realized is we need to go back to those ancient tradition and don't, we, we shouldn't dismiss them as something, oh, that's like some bullshit they were doing. I am literally waking up to Hinduism as part of my awakening because I had set aside what uh, ancient traditional India brings to the table. And it's no longer for me a symbolism or this or that. It, really, it truly is pure science. And the vermilion that people put on their forehead contains mercury. And that mercury used in the right format protects you and heals you. And that's what, you know, this is all part of the ancient tradition. So when your chakras are blocked, energy healers can give energy to release certain blocks in your chakra system. Okay. okay. The dot on the forehead that actually helps keep your third eye open. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Interesting. It, it's more, it's, it's more like not third eye open. It protects your pineal gland, anybody mesmerizing you. Let's say even you're not fully awakened with your pineal gland. Okay. So not putting a dot actually makes you open to manipulations. I see. Yeah. You know, they say that that's on purpose, like expo they like the powers that be uh, introduced fluoride to calcify the pineal gland to keep your third eye closed so they could sort of manipulate you. Correct. Yeah. I don't want okay. people to get the uh, wrong idea. So you go to you, you go to retreat, you're overweight and you eat good, healthy food for a week. It makes you feel good. You go back home. You don't continue the practice you're going to gain weight. Right. So similarly, nobody can heal your chakras other than yourself. Mm-hmm. No guru can heal your chakras. Nobody can do it on your behalf, only you. So basically, I was very clear about one thing. And that one thing was, I'm not going to, even though I went and did this session, I knew in my heart that I'm not going to give everything to someone else to do it for me. That do it to me mentality has to go. Right. So yeah. when someone clears your chakra, you need to take control of that and say, okay, now I get it. Because you could, you could, you could eat, you know, eat like a healthy, beautiful salad and soup in the afternoon and go and eat like a burger that's like filled with cheese and eggs and everything yeah, in the or, evening. You know, or what you I'm... can order a diet root beer float, right? <laughs> <laughs> whatever floats your boat <laughs> whatever floats your boat literally no pun intended <laughs> so um you know that's how it works so i was very clear that i was not gonna let it's not like let i was gonna take accountability for my own chakras and one thing led to another and that is how i was like okay this is it i i just can't uh continue with the corporate world because I was just awakening at a fast rate. But here's one thing I'm, I'm going to tell you. 2012 was a cutoff year. A lot of people had an awakening in that year, and I was no exception. Um, so people talk about the Mayan calendar, and the world was coming to an end. The Mayan calendar and the Indian calendar are not different. The whole thing about, like, oh, Mayan calendars, is, it was all they were trying to, again, manipulate people's brain. 
there are not several calendars. There's only one calendar. The European calendar is uh, the Four Seasons calendar. The Indian calendar and the Mayan calendar are a sidereal calendar. So what that means is when the earth is rotating, it has a wobble and it takes the wobble into account when uh, they're creating the calendar. So 2012 was the year where we were com coming out of something called a Kali Yuga, in, which uh -huh. is in the ancient uh, Indian tradition and the Panchang. Uh, according to the ancient ca Indian calendar, we are ending the Kali Yuga. Kali Yuga is one of the worst yugas. Uh, every yuga is a certain number of years. Kali Yuga is 2,400 years coming down and going up, which is kind of like a cycle. So 2012, what, December, was the time when we were coming out of the Kali Yuga and entering the Dwarpa Yuga, which is a upward swing of uh, timeline. So I had an awakening in 2012, and several people that I've heard and talked about have had awakening in 2012. So when we are going on the upswing, we have to wake up. We have to wake up. We have to wake up. If we don't want to wake up, we are going to have a really hard time surviving in this world of brutality. And I'm not trying to be negative here. There is brutality. You have to be able to see what is the truth. And it's not your truth and my truth and someone else's truth. Truth is always the same. Truth is never wavering. It is not different for each person. And that is the, the whole truth we are slowly coming into right now. Yeah, this is the... Well, so... Yeah, this is the yuga because I know about the yugas. This is the yuga where everybody awakens spiritually, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it goes on for several hundred thousand years. It's really it's interesting, is, but that's correct, right? That is correct. So, um, uh, the, the one cycle is 25,000 some odd years. Mm -hmm. Kali Yuga, so it's think of it like a sine wave, okay? There's a downward swing and an upward swing. So the downward swing um, uh, for Kali Yuga is 1,200 years, and the upward swing of Kali Yuga is 1,200 years. Mm -hmm. So right now we're entering Dwarpa Yuga. We are on the cusp of Dwarpa Yuga. And I'll, I'll send you guys the link of where you can find all this information. Uh, upward swing is 1,200 years. So we are literally crossing the 1,200 years. We are on the cusp of crossing the 1,200 years. So entering Dwarpa Yuga, all that is evil and all that is a lie has to go. It, it can't sustain. The truth is that it cannot sustain itself. So that is why we are seeing everything right now, the World Economic Forum, the Bilderberg Group, and this and that, and like, you know, anything we, we never understood in the past, we are understanding right now. Yes, this is actually, I've had a lot of discussions with Mitch about this because I know about all this stuff and I've been following it really closely. And then the interesting thing is Mitch is a Christian and, mm -hmm. uh, but it, it corresponds to the end times in the Bible and the return mm -hmm. of Christ consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think you could call the return of Christ consciousness um, the yuga. It, it, it's it, the Dwarpa yuga. Am I saying that correctly, Dwarpa? Yes. So let's, uh, you know, because I, I, I am kind of conscious of other people in other religions. So uh -huh. I, my thing is to say what's in the Hinduism but that doesn't negate what's in the other religion because everybody has to come to their own truth, right? Well, so for think, me, yeah. go ahead. Oh, I, I think it's just being said in a different way. Like it's in, in a different way. Yeah, in, in Christianity, some people understand it. They think of it as like the return of Christ. And then on a deeper level, it's actually the return of Christ consciousness. But 
in Hindu terms, you would say, yeah, it's the Dwarpa Yuga. It's just a, a shift in energies because um, the whole system cycles. And so, so this is actually a very good time because it cycles upward. So I'm going to share something. And, and Mitch, um, just take it with a, a grain of salt, okay? I'm always open. <laughs> so basically, see, the thing is they have created all these religions as a diversion. We're all one. There was a time we followed everything and we followed one particular thing. If you look at it, okay, because this is for, this is for either the viewers or you guys to just think about it. Don't accept anything I'm saying. Just, you know, just observe what I'm saying and just turn it off. Krishna consciousness is K-R-S-N-E consciousness, okay? Christ consciousness and Krishna consciousness are not too far off. It's very easy to say, oh, that's Krishna, Christ consciousness awakening. What is true is there's a lot of similarities between both religions. Mm -hmm. my, my, my thought process would be, why is there so many uh, parallelisms? And I'm going to leave it at that. Because what has been done to manipulate us is bringing forth different religions so that we all have different concepts so that we can we can all fight with each other exactly and for me karma in christianity we don't talk about karma in hinduism we talk about karma but karma exists for everybody else does it mean that one is a christian and not a hindu and a, and a hindu and not a christian see that is where we have to literally break our barriers yeah, the religions were created to divide and conquer us. And actually, the, uh, Christianity is built from Hinduism and and Buddhism. And um, and Mitch, that's but, what I'm trying to say. Mike, that's what I'm trying to say. But you said it. it. I couldn't say that. Being, <laughs> no, that's, being that's, someone that's, who's a Hindu, I can't say that. <laughs> it is. It, you know what? It's it. Christianity is built from Hinduism and Buddhism, except that they removed several of the keys that are still um, active in Hinduism and Buddhism. Like uh, Christianity removed reincarnation, but um, that's understood as a fact in in Hinduism and Buddhism. And the reason it was removed in Christianity was to disempower people. They also removed meditation and yoga. And that's to disempower people. Um, so Christianity is like a, a big swath of truth, but it isn't like the whole truth. Um, but there's little bits of it where it, the truth is still in there. Like it's like an 80% truth and then 20%. No, no, no. Mike, what they have done is they've hijacked Christianity. And that is what people need to realize. When you yeah. remove karma out of anything, you don't have self-responsibility and accountability. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. I, but I, I was gonna say though, it it karma is sort of in Christianity because there's the concept, as you sow, so shall you reap, which yeah. is basically karma. So it's sort of in there, um, but it's diluted. You know, it isn't it isn't presented as um, like uh, in an easily understandable way like it is in Hinduism and Buddhism. That was done purposefully. See, that's what I'm trying to say. That was done purposefully. Yes. So, you know, so one of the things I'm going to preface before I move forward, because I could come, I have been to every single church in Italy. I've been to Spain. I've been to every single church. For me, I've never felt a difference in a place of worship. Never. Mm -hmm. So 
for me to talk about Hinduism is not someone who has been like, oh, I'm a Hindu. And I've, I have, uh, I, I've heard stories about Christianity. I know like the Noah's Ark. I know about, you know what I mean? Like there is a great concept of Christianity. I understand even if I, even though I've not read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I've also been to Jordan and I've traced the path of Moses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've found a fascination with theology and religion, but that is for shits and giggles. When you want to talk about truth, <laughs> it is, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, there's that. Don't get there's me. the American. Yeah. There's I the was American just going to say, that's the influence <laughs> of Chicago. <laughs> <in India>. <laughs> <laughs> Too know, much time in Chicago right there. Yeah. I, I, I swear to God, like, you know, it's like talking, uh, you know, talking to you guys, like, for me, I miss a piece of Chicago and U.S., right? So this connection is really good for me. You can <laughs> I miss it at times. Out of Chicago, but you can't but take not... Chicago out of the girl. <laughs> out the girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, this is too funny. So, going back in all seriousness, they have hijacked Christianity, and that is where Christians need to get aware. I I'm not an authority on Christianity, but I know Hinduism enough to talk about what's missing in Christianity. But yes. what see in Christianity you talk about spirituality, but in Hinduism it's mind, body, and spirit. It is not separate. Mm-hmm. What has been taken out of what they did in Christianity, they took karma away and they put sin in. What does sin do? Sin makes you feel guilty. In karma, there's no guilt. There is none, no guilt in karma. Karma is, you did this today? I mean, you're going to pay for it. Maybe not today, but you will. But sin is, you're wrong. What you did is wrong. You, you, you can go to a, a priest and you can get redemption, or you're going to go to hell. That is the concept that it's not about Christianity. We need to come out of this guilt, which has been perpetrated by those that control us. And yeah. we need to get out of that, oh, this is what's said in Christianity. Where is guilt? Wherever there's guilt, it's been a perpetrated lie. Yes. If you took karma and you put sin in there, you can keep a whole herd of people in control. And that's what's being done right now. And I'm yeah. not going to propose or be a proponent for that. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I'm, I'm totally on your side. I, I, everything that you've mentioned, I've, I've learned about in in my, my studies. I actually, I I am a member of um, the Self-Realization Fellowship. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that or, and, and my guru is Paramahansa Yogananda. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, do you know about him? I, I have heard of him and I've, I haven't read his book, but I've heard amazing things about his book. Yeah, autobiography um, Yogi. Yeah, and then, I, uh, his guru, um, Swami Sri Yukteswar, <laughs> he wrote a book called The Holy Science, and he's the one who said we're we're going to go into the Dwarpa Yuga. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so it, it's 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 really interesting and kind of sad to see what's happened because when you find all of this information and then you realize like what's been happening in the western world it's pretty disturbing actually <laughs> i'm worried i'll it's i'm worried I'll, I'll be honest with you mike i am worried because when this covid19 hit i'll give you a classic example i never believed an iota of what they were saying yeah 
I was so, they said, I need to wear a mask. I never wore a mask. They said, you need to keep six feet. I said, I freaking F you. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> if people want to do it. <laughs> if uh, people want right. to The mask doesn't help at all. It's been scientifically shown to be completely useless particularly for the bioweapon that they call mm -hmm. COVID-19. Um, mm -hmm. It's so small, it passes right through the pores of the masks. Mm -hmm. um, and then the vaccine is a death shot. Exactly. But here's a question for you, uh, Mike. Uh, the thing is, why didn't people realize that right off the bat? See, that's what scares me. See, yeah. You don't have to go and get another scientific report. See, the thing is, let's talk about U.S. for a second. In U.S., we are addicted to scientific reports, addicted. And mm -hmm. there's so much false information that comes through. People are just lapping it up. For COVID-19, you know how many like reports came out? Not one report I believed in. Not one report. I said, you know what? If I'm going to die, that's on my own term. You don't have to determine if I'm going to die or not. I, the only time I wore a mask was when I went to the stores because I needed to get the produce. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I never wore it. I wasn't scared of it. I never did it. Yeah. And you didn't get vaccinated, right? Absolutely not. Try me. No. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are, there's, there, there are mil literally millions of scientists, doctors, including Nobel Prize winners and the inventor of the technology for the vaccine who have, you know, called it for what it is. It's to kill you. And uh, this was a depopulation plan by exactly. the, yes. Um, so, and I don't know, I, I, so I've heard some kind of wild theories because mm -hmm. what, like what's happened in the West? How come um, they're not able to look at evidence and make a decision for themselves? They have the media lying to them. And and that same media kind of earned our trust for, um, you know, like 50 years. And then uh, but at this point, they're just flat out lying. But the information is there. Like you can find alternative news sources that presents doc present documents, photographs, videos, experts, you know, again, including Nobel Prize winners, regular doctors, scientists. Um, it all of the information is 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 right there for people in the West to look at and go, oh my gosh, you know, um, COVID is a bioweapon and the vaccine is to kill us. But they, they, a lot of people have done that, but a lot of people have not and mm -hmm. in the West. And, and it, it's, um, it's a very strange thing because I know there are several people that I care about, um, like family members, and they won't have a discussion about it. They won't, mm -hmm look at the evidence and they will they will scream at you if you bring it up and so i've heard like some i don't know if any of it's true but um one thing is chemtrails uh, another thing is 5g interacting with the vaccine and so it's like reinforcing the brainwashing that's gone on in the west um so that people are 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 kind of um like uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's just a complete impasse with them. Like they call it uh, mass formation psychosis. They call it uh, cognitive dissonance. 
Um, but there's some huge block where you cannot communicate with someone who who uh, has been vaccinated, except Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but with other people, it's what you were talking about. Like, I, I, there's some block where you can't communicate. They cannot see the truth. They don't want to hear about the truth. And you can't reach them. Kind of what you were saying I mean, let's that... let's look at it. Yeah, let's look at it a little differently. Okay. Okay. 9-11 happened, right? Yeah. And I used to I used to travel when 9-11 happened. Every time I entered the airport, they'll be like, oh, today's orange. I thought, these guys are nuts. None of this is true. Yeah. But people are like, oh, today's an orange day. Everybody has to be, you know. And I thought that was so much BS. See, the thing is, the reason I was able to discern that information was because I was using my own inner guidance system to understand the truth. Mm -hmm. They talked about swine flu. I did not believe it. They talked about bird flu. I did not believe it. Every time in the US, if you see, what they say is the name an animal that caused the disease. That's total BS. Mm -hmm. That's total BS. Right from the beginning, I never believed one iota of what they were saying. But we're talking about 20 years ago, not today. 20 years ago. Why? Because I lived in a very different society. I lived in a society where we didn't turn to someone to tell us something is good or wrong, right or wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, we ate some food that was traditional. Nobody said, oh, did you have your protein today? Nobody asked that question. U.S. has been dummified. They've completely dumbed people down yes. through chemtrails, through food, now, people, if you talk to people, people have to be told how to eat. That is the b most bizarre and pathetic situation that we brought humanity down to. And U.S. has to literally wake up. They have to wake up. And yeah. I talk to a lot of people, but it doesn't really sink into them. Because if you have to tell someone, oh, you know what? You have to have a tomato every day. It's good for your body. We as humanity have lost it. I don't have to go and look at a scientific report in order to understand that. I yeah. need to know that. It's not about the information that's coming from outside. If you cannot discern something on your own, you cannot tell what's the truth. Yes. Until you discern the truth for yourself, you cannot tell that this information is correct and this is not. At that point, what happens is, see, right now, the deep state is playing with the U.S. left and right. They've created a bifurcation. The left versus the right. Yes. Roe versus Wade. So if you do that and people buy into that, they're not using their own common sense in order to discern what's right. Yes. And, you know, one of the things I'm going to slightly touch upon is the feminist movement. And what's going on with Roe and Wade right now is the feminist movement. They're bringing all these females saying, this is my body and it's my right. And I'm going to preface this with something. I used to be one of those people that used to think that way. And it took me a lot to understand the depopulation theory and how they were messing up with women's brain to come to that conclusion. Basically, Mitch, you're going to love this. What they're trying to do is they're trying to make they're trying to make premarital sex very common and normal. It is not. And mm -hmm. it is not. And I have dated men. I'm not telling as a person that's very, you know, uh, forthright and like, you know, I'm not an upright, the, the best citizen in the world. But for me, it hit as a realization that premarital sex is what they're pushing 
in schools. That's what it is, though. They, actually, everything is the, everything that's been controlling us is it's the intelligence community. And yeah, you, we, yeah, we are, yeah, yeah. And we are now talking about the stuff we're not supposed to talk about. Talk about. So that's okay. You know what? How much are they going to control us? It's not going to happen. This information is going to come out. We don't have to worry about. That's yeah. their worry. It and is not, out. That's that's like my point I was trying to make earlier. I mean, it is out. You you can find this information you just have to dig for it they're censoring the internet more and more and more but if you want the truth it's there you know it's there yeah it's definitely there i'm not trying to um stop the conversation necessarily but Mm -hmm. um i just was hoping we could get back to your your story of your awakening Oh my God! You know what, Mitch? I think it's going right. So what we could do much for me, even though I live in the in India right now, and that's a long story. Um, I am very interested in causing an awakening in the U.S. Okay. Um, I have a lot of. I still am a. I wouldn't say I'm a sellout, but I'm kind of like like you know kind of worried about talking about certain things because a lot of my friends come from the LGBT community. There's a lot of my friends who are Christian. There are a lot of my friends who are Jewish. And, you know, I want to be sensitive, but the freaking problem is you can't be sensitive at all when you're talking about the truth. It has to come out. Yeah. And um, there, there is a huge movement happening in the U.S. And we have to do something about it. People have to wake up. People have to learn to be on their own, independent of scientific uh, data. Yes. And then they'll understand the scientific data better. And, mm-hmm. and that's where it, it stands right now. So yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we're at, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, cause you know, Mike and I have these kind of conversations and, and I, I agree with your last statement 100% and I'm not, you know, not here to get into an argument or anything like that. And I agree with your, your last statement. And, 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 and that is that, I agree with presenting the information and then I, I, I agree that everybody has to come to their, to their decisions of their own free will. Um, I, I, mm-hmm. I think that that's very important because it doesn't work the other way, right? You can't, you know, you can't cram a square peg through a round hole and, and, yep. and, and people have to, um, you know, like you said, get the information, dissect the information and and come to their own individual conclusion. It's and, and I think you guys are, are, are right to the point where people have to wake up and, and read the information. Right. Yeah. Read and understand the information and look at all of the information. I've you know, Mike and I have talked for a long time and and, you know, I've never not gotten to the information and we just have to make our choices based after we look at all the information the problem is that the information is they're trying to hide all of the a lot of the information and the media is blatantly lying um and so the so people who trust mainstream media are not getting all the information so that they could make a good choice so, but I'm, I'm going to go back to the original thing. It's not okay. information. 
it's not the information it's okay so if you cannot decide what is healthy for you and someone else has to come and tell you that is completely compromising you as a human being who is born on this earth to know what is right for you period drop the mic uma <laughs> <laughs> word <laughs> this is a woman with something to say yeah actually she's channeling so that's god you got to listen to her she uh had a very passionate uh, opinion about all this. She certainly did, and, and an informed one. This is where we're going to pause our conversation with Uma. Not stop it, but pause it for this episode. In our next episode, we're going to kind of pick up right where we left off and continue our conversation with Uma and just hear some more about what she has to say. Yeah, so Uma Shankari will return in You Only Live 15,000 Times. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's roughly what it is. According to Autobiography of a Yogi, if you do nothing at all, like you don't meditate, you don't do yoga, you still slowly advance spiritually. But so like if you do nothing at all, you, you don't try at all, then in one million years your soul will ascend to like higher dimensions. So I think 1 million years breaks down to like 15,000 lifetimes. Wow. <laughs> That's so a lot you, of damn work. I know. So if you want to, if you want to go through 15,000 lifetimes, there you go. And, and then if you want to meditate <laughs> and do a little bit of yoga, then you might be able to wrap it up in just a couple of lifetimes. <laughs> that's a lot of yoga <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i mean it, it, it all that stuff is true reincarnation was in the bible they edited it out meditation was in the bible and yoga and they edited it out and um and then yeah the gospel well, I, to be honest with you i think uh meditation is still in there they just renamed it prayer yeah it, well in a lot of like be still and know that I am. That's meditation. Yeah, that's so, that's what I'm saying. It, it's it's it's. And I didn't go into this with anyone, but do you know the story of the Tower of Babel? No, I, I, I yeah. What's that story? So they were basically. I mean, I don't know it verbatim, but but basically, uh, they were going to build basically a tower to God. Okay. And so and uh, kind of against God's will. And so to stop them from um, um, doing that. Yeah. God uh, made them all. Uh, he gave them all different languages so they could no longer communicate with each other. Like instantaneously, everybody suddenly spoke different languages. Yeah, basically, that's how I understand it. Okay. So they could no longer build that. That's why they call it the tower of Babel because everybody was babbling to each other because no, no longer could everybody understand each other. That's interesting. So that would also, in my mind, explain why there's similar, but different religions. Yeah. But you know, I just, I didn't what want to go is That's not God. That's Satan through our world leaders. Cause if like the different cultures and the different languages, my understanding is that was totally by design and it was our world leaders who are following 
Satan, and that's well. But this is this is back at the you know this is way before we had quote unquote world leaders. Well, no, it was the same thing. You you had kings and um, and pet- but that that would make everyone all of a sudden speak a different language. Oh well, not instantaneously, like it's described in that story. But my understanding is that different languages were cultivated to keep everybody divided and conquered and different um, cultures were, it wasn't so much like, Oh, you know, the well, people developed all this stuff. Cause well, then how would you explain, let's say the Indians, cause they spoke different languages. Yeah. In America. That's true. That's a good point. I don't know. I, but I, I have heard that theory that, um, it was, it, yeah, but, but you know, like I said, that that seems a little far reaching for the time period, right? Because, but I guess Satan would still have been active during the Native American era, right? So, but that's Satan versus world leaders is two different things. But the the tribes all had leaders, like they had their own kinds of kings and stuff, right? Right. But but I'm so just maybe saying Satan that. was all, hey Geronimo, I want you to. <laughs> You can like these kids to say these things instead so they won't be able to get along with the generation before them and we'll keep them divided and conquered. Geronimo. (laughs) (laughs) It's I mean, one thing that that it is a through line in in every spirituality is is the devil. He's called different things. Right. Well, and so is God. Yep same yeah but there is so there's there is an evil force that's been with humanity as long well i yeah i mean that's that's you know we've had that conversation because that gets you into yin and yang right how do you know good if you don't know evil right right how do you know hot if you don't know cold right (laughs) yeah so i don't know seems like the serpent has been whispering in our ear forever yeah since day one Motherfucker. Well, I guess actually day seven, right? Because isn't that when God rested? <laughs> After or, he... or no, it's it's the sixth day, right? On the sixth day, God rested. Is that what? It, I don't know. I can't count. One of them days. <laughs> I can't. I think it. I think it was. The I don't remember day. what day it was. I was a little fuzzy from back then. <laughs> but if reincarnation is real, and I do believe that it is. You were there, and so was I, somewhere, somehow, doing something. Yeah. We've all been through every single iteration of creation, just in different forms. Yeah, as long as I wasn't the serpent. You might have been Geronimo, dude. (laughs) (laughs) So it's pretty normal for me to wake up in the morning and go, oh, fuck, everything I've done is wrong. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's pretty standard for me but i did wake up this morning and i was like you fucking fool <laughs> like, you've got to edit that show so you're not in the show <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it was one of those but then and, and then my mind like circled it around to oh well you're gonna get killed by some militant fanatical christian did you know that there are, or they call themselves militant Christians? You either convert to Christianity or we kill you. Yeah. yeah they're all screwed up. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, and obviously there are good Christians too. And, and this happens in every religion. 
Yeah. Um, That's what the whole the whole crusades were about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I have met them directly in person in this town, like for like a non-Christian, I probably was wearing like a Buddha t-shirt or something. <laughs> You're all like, hail Satan. Yeah. Well, I they, don't know why they thought I wasn't a Christian. <laughs> well, they, you, do you know that they, they like, it depends on who you're talking to, but a lot of Christians regard the Buddha, um, like the, the Hindu gods, anything like gurus, that's the devil, they say. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the baseline of Christianity is there. I've told you this before is right. There's only one way. Yeah. Um, to, to God. And that's through, through Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, uh, they were so hostile to me, dude. It was unbelievable. Um, but I looked around and it's all Christian crosses, Christian this, Christian yeah. that. but see, that's the, that's again, that's where I challenge people like that because that's opposite of Christianity. It is that those are not those are Christians who think they're Christians, but they're not Christians. Right. Well, and yeah, they, they, they just they're missing it. They just they don't they don't get it. It's, yeah. it's the Christian's job to share the word. And that's it. That's yeah. it. You just share the word. And, and, and that's it. Nowhere did in any of the examples of Jesus, did he do anything but sit and share the word? Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, the, he doesn't he doesn't go up there and threaten people. He doesn't even when they're nailing him to the cross, he doesn't threaten them. He doesn't come down and say, my dad's going to kick your ass. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he he just forgives them. Right. That's his that's the most amazing feat in the story is that that he's he's not like, fuck you, I'll kill you all or or God will destroy you or. And all the people are like, kill him, kill him. And he's like, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I mean, that's the amazing. Well, the story of Jesus is amazing. People distort everything to yeah. justify how they want to act because it's easier to just say, oh, well, I want to be like this, you know. So let me just twist these words and this 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 idea you know i i want to be a christian but i you know i want to be a violent christian so i'm gonna twist the bible until i can be a violent christian yeah you know and that's, yeah, that's yeah it's just i just don't want those guys from the pot shop to show up after this airs and be like <laughs> uh, somehow i don't think we have anything to worry about mike as long as you think my life's safe, that's your fine. life is safe. I I don't really care actually if I die except for you and and Gowan, but um, but otherwise I'm like go for it. <laughs> 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 but I got to take care of Gowan, man. And, yeah. and what are you gonna do if I'm not there to tell you I how know. depressed I am? Uh, yeah, then then I don't. I can... <laughs> Your day wouldn't be complete if I didn't tell you I was in an anxiety state, right? Yeah, I wouldn't even know what to do. See, you'd be like, I would, I would get anxiety because I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess uh, next week we'll pick it up with Uma. Cool, man. Oh, but wait, there's more. We have a song of the episode. Indeed, we do. The song of the episode. The song of the episode. And that song is... Oh, are you going to say it? 
I don't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Machine by Pink Floyd. That's right. Welcome Mostly to the because machine. of the penetrating lyrics that say, uh, what did you dream? It's all right. We told you what to dream for our brainwashed little world. Yep. You can always count on a little bit of Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd, man. They were trying to tell us. It's just that they were tools and slaves to the man. So they couldn't make it completely obvious. <laughs> so but they, they tried. They gave us clues. Here's another clue for you, man. Yep. Here's another clue for you all. The walrus was Paul, who's actually Billy Shears, because the real Paul McCartney died in a car crash. But that's another story for another time. We'll ask Uma about it, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but so welcome this to one, the machine is the song. Yeah, Pink Floyd. Yeah. Welcome to the machine. <laughs> and then we'll catch everybody on the flip side. We'll catch you on the flip side, yo. Yo. <laughs> Two Men with a Mic is produced at Clothes on a Hanger Studios. You can reach them at the number two menwithamic.com. <laughs>